0: Part five of Chapter three of Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume two by Havelock Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. History ten. A. H. aged sixty two. Belongs to a family which cannot be regarded as healthy, but there is no insanity among near relations. Father, a very virile man of high character and good intelligence, but not sound physical health mother was high-strung and nervous but possessed of indomitable courage and very affectionate she lived very happily with her husband she became a chronic invalid and died of consumption a h was a seven months child the third in the family who were born very rapidly so that there is only three years difference in the ages of the first and third children a h believes that one of his brothers who has never married and prefers men to women is also inverted though not to the same degree as himself and he also suspects that a relation of his mother's may have been an invert sister who resembles the father in character is married but is spoken of as a woman's woman rather than a man's woman the family generally are considered proud and reserved but of superior mental endowment In early life, A.H. was delicate, and his studies were often interrupted by illness. Though living under happy conditions, he was shy and nervous, often depressed. In later life, his health has been up to the average, and he has usually been able to conceal his mental doubts and diffidence. As a child, he played with dolls and made girls his companions until an age when he grew conscious that his conduct was unusual and became ashamed, while his father seemed troubled about him he regards himself as having been a very childish child his conscious sexual life began between the ages of eight and ten he was playing in the garden when he saw a man-servant who had long been with the family standing at the door of a shed with his penis exposed and erect the boy had never seen anything of the kind before but felt great delight in the exhibition and moved shyly toward the man who retreated into the shed the boy followed and was allowed to caress and play with the penis until ejaculation took place the man replying in reply to the child's innocent inquiries that it felt good this experience was frequently repeated with the same man and the boy confided in a boy friend with whom he tried to ascertain by personal experience what the good feeling was like but they were too young to derive any pleasure from the attempt beyond the joy of what was instinctively felt to be eating forbidden fruit from this period his sexual tendencies began to become fixed and self-conscious he has never at any period of life had a moment's conscious sexual attraction toward a person of the opposite sex his warmest friendships have indeed been with women and much perhaps most of the happiness he has enjoyed has been furnished by those friendships but passion has only been aroused by persons of his own sex generally by men much younger than himself he feels shy and uncomfortable in the presence of men of his own age but even at his present age a touch of a man or boy may cause the liveliest gratification shortly after the incident in boyhood already narrated a h induced a little boy companion to go to a quiet spot where at a h's suggestion each placed the other's penis in his mouth by turns a h had never heard of such a proceeding it was a natural instinct he began to masturbate at an early age but he soon found a companion to share his passion an older man especially married and with a family became his accomplice on every possible opportunity and they would manipulate each other at the age of twenty-one fellatio began to be practiced with this man it became a lifelong practice and the preferred method of sexual gratification he likes best to have it performed on himself but he has never asked anyone to do for him what he would not himself do for the other if desired there has never been pedicaccio, the penis it may be added is of good size and the testicles rather large no one has ever suspected a h s sexual perversion not even his physician with whom he has long had a close friendship until at a time of great mental distress a h voluntarily revealed his state he is accustomed to refined society has always read much abhorred athletic pursuits and loved poetry children and flowers his love of nature amounts indeed to a passion wherever he has been he has made friends among the best people he confesses to occasional periods of addiction to intoxicants induced by sociable companionship and only controlled by force of will for business he has not the slightest aptitude and cannot look after his own affairs he is always dreading poverty and destitution he believes however that he passes among his friends as fairly capable He considers that inversion is natural in his case, and that he has a perfect right to gratify his own natural instincts, though he also admits they may be vices. He has never sought to influence an innocent person towards his own tendencies. History 11 T.D. Knows of nothing abnormal in his ancestry. His brother has homosexual tendencies, but is also attracted to women a sister who is very religious states that she has little or no sexual inclinations they were all of a dreamy disposition when young to the disgust of their teachers he sent the following account of himself from the university at the age of twenty when i was a child before i went to school at nine he writes i was already of an affectionate disposition and affection turned readily to either sex no boy was the cause of my inclinations which were quite spontaneous no doubt part of the cause may be found in our social system by which ladies are rather drawing-room creatures to be treated with distant respect Uh, when i was ten at a preparatory school i first began to form attachments with other boys of my own age in which i always had regard to physical beauty it is this stage in which the sexual element is latent that shelley speaks of as preceding love in ardent natures at twelve i learned masturbation apparently by instinct and i regret to say practiced it to excess for the next seven years always secretly and with shame and often with the accompaniment of prurient imaginings which did not prevent my relations with those i loved being of a very spiritual nature masturbation was often practiced daily with bursts of repentance and abstinence latterly more rarely but until i was fifteen i really knew nothing of sexual matters and it was not till i was at least seventeen that i was conscious of sexual desire which i repressed with shame owing to excessive self-abuse i am unable to omit except manually but desire is strong i think naked contact would suffice and in any case intercrural connection pedicatio and fellatio i abhor i love boys between the ages of twelve and fifteen they must be of my own class refined and lovable i only desire the active masculine part i now regard my inclinations as natural and normal to me the difficulty is that of leading the other party to regard it as such besides the young age required and clandestine nature of proceedings necessary the moral difficulties of circumstances are so strong that i have little hope of ever gratifying my passion fully I have found myself deceived in the character of the boy twice. The last friendship lasted three years, during which time I only saw him naked two or three times this caused erection, never touched him pruriently, and only kissed him once. I have never found a satisfactory object of my affections, and my happiness, perhaps my health, have been seriously injured. At my public school a master helped me to a truer understanding of these things the merely animal sodomy which exists in many public schools was unknown what i learned of sex i learned for myself i am recommended to turn my aspirations to the abstract universal maid but so far at least i cannot do it male greek statutory and the fedoras of plato have had a great though only confirmatory influence on my feelings my ideal is that of theocritus the thirteenth wherein hercules was bringing hylas to the perfect measure of a man my first thought is the good of my friend but except for the good subjective influence of passion i have failed utterly i am very tall dark rather strong fond of games though i do not excel owing to short sight I am English, though I have French blood, which may account for an unreservedly passionate disposition, though unlike other people I am not in the least feminine, nor has anyone thought so to my knowledge. I can whistle easily and well. I am so masculine that I cannot even conceive of passive sexual pleasure in women, much less in men. That is one of the difficulties in boy-love." my affections are inextricably bound up in the ideals of protection of one weaker than myself in the earlier days when sexuality was less conscious this was a great source of romantic feeling the glamour of which is rather departing i cannot understand love of adult males much less if they are of lower class and the idea of prostitution is nauseous to me i think i may say that i have the aesthetic and moral sense very strongly ingrained indeed they are largely synonymous with me i have no dramatic aptitude and though i flatter myself that my taste is good in music i have no knowledge of music if i have a favourite colour it is a dark crimson or blue of the nature of old stained glass i derive great pleasure from all literary and pictorial art and architecture indeed art of all kinds i have facility in writing personal lyrical verse it affords me relief i think my inversion must be congenital as the desire of contact with these boys i loved began before masturbation and has lasted through private and public resorts and into university life the other sex does not attract me but i am very fond of children girls as well as boys if there is sexuality in this which i trust there is not it is latent this statement is of interest because it may well lead us to suppose that the writer who is of balanced mind and sound judgment possesses a confirmed homosexual outlook on life while however it is the rule for the permanent direction of the sexual impulse to be decided by the age of twenty that age is too early to permit us to speak positively especially in a youth whose adolescent undifferentiated or homosexual impulses are fostered by university life this proved to be the case with t d who though doubtless possessing a physically anomalous strain is yet predominantly masculine on leaving the university his heterosexuality asserted itself normally about six years after the earlier statement he wrote that he had fallen in love I am on the eve of marrying a girl of nearly my own age. She has sympathy as well as knowledge in my fields of study. It was thus easier for me to explain my past, and I found that she could not understand the moral objections to homosexual practices. My own opinion always was that the moral objections were very considerable, but might in some cases be overcome. In any case, I have entirely lost my sexual attraction towards boys, though I am glad to say that the appreciation of their charm and grace remains. My instincts, therefore, have undergone a considerable change, but the change is not entirely in the direction of normality. The instinct for sodomy in the proper sense of the word used to be unintelligible to me since the object of attraction has become a woman, this instinct is mixed with the normal in my desire. Further, an element which much troubled me as being most foreign to my ideal feelings has not quite left me, the indecent and often scatological curiosity about immature girls. I can only hope that the realization of the normal in marriage may finally kill these painful aberrations. I should add that the practice of masturbation has been abandoned. HISTORY twelve, Aged twenty-four father and mother both living the latter is of a better social standing than the father he is much attached to his mother and she gives him some sympathy he has a brother who is normally attracted to women he himself has never been attracted to women and takes no interest in them nor in their society at the age of four he first became conscious of an attraction for older males from the ages of eleven and nineteen at a large grammar school he had relationships with about one hundred boys Needless to add, he considers homosexuality extremely common in schools. It was, however, the Oscar Wilde case which first opened his eyes to the wide prevalence of homosexuality, and he considers that the publicity of that case has done much, if not to increase homosexuality, at all events to make it more conspicuous and outspoken. He is now attracted to youths about five or six years younger than himself. They must be good-looking. He has never perverted a boy not already inclined to homosexuality. In his relationship he does not feel exclusively like a male or a female, sometimes one, sometimes the other. He is often liked, he says, because of his masculine character. He is fully developed and healthy, with over-middle height, inclined to be plump, with full face and small moustache. He smokes many cigarettes and cannot get on without them. Though his manners are very slightly, if at all, feminine, he acknowledges many feminine ways. He is fond of jewellery, until lately always wore a bangle, and likes women's rings. He is very particular about fine ties, and uses very delicate women's handkerchiefs. He has always had a taste for music, and sings. He has a special predilection for green—it is the predominant colour in the decoration of his room—and everything green appeals to him. He finds that the love of green, and also of violet and purple, is very widespread among his inverted friends history thirteen artist aged thirty four the earliest sex impression that i am conscious of he writes is at the age of nine or ten falling in love with a handsome boy who must have been about two years my senior i do not recollect ever having spoken to him but my desire so far as i can recall was that he should seize hold of and handle me i have a distinct impression yet of how pleasurable even physical pain or cruelty would have been at his hands i have noticed that in young children it is often difficult to differentiate the sexual emotion from what in the grown-up would be definite cruelty it must have been about this time that i discovered entirely by myself the act of masturbation the process grew up quite naturally though I cannot but think that the cooped-up life in a London street and a London school, with want of physical exercise, as well as want of landscape, colour, and beautiful form, had much to do with it. The tone of the school I was at was singularly clean, but I question whether the vaunted cleanliness of tone of day-schools can compensate for the open life and large discipline of an English public school how far the rather frequent masturbation between the ages of ten and thirteen may have had to do with weekly health i do not know but when i was twelve i was taken by my mother to a famous doctor he made no inquiries of a sexual nature but he advised that i should be sent away from london he had a sentimental horror of violent games etc for boys and put aside various suggested public schools finally i was sent to a private school at the seaside The private school was clean and wholesome, the plunge into the sexual coquetice of the great public school that followed was effectually sudden. In my day was a perfect stew of uncleanliness. There was plenty of incontinence, not much cruelty, no end of dirty conversation, and a great deal of genuine affection, even to heroism, shown among the boys in their relations to one another all these things were treated by masters and boys alike as more or less unholy with the result that they were either sought after or flung aside according to the sexual or emotional instinct of each no attempt was made at discrimination a kiss was as unclean as the act of fellatio and no one had any gauge or principle whatever on which to guide the cravings of boyhood my first initiation into the mysteries of sex was at the hands of the dormitory servant who showed me his penis when he woke me in the mornings and masturbated me when he gave me my hot bath on a saturday night this old reparate of forty-five committed to the act of fellatio with most of the boys in turn as he went the dormitory rounds for the older lads i cannot speak but over us younger ones of fourteen and fifteen he exercised a sort of unholy terror and fascination he was very popular we came to him like doves to a snake when i revisited my old school many years later he was occupying a very responsible position in the college chapel and i noticed that he wore the expression of sly reverence which i think i can now instantly detect when i see it in a man for the rest the dormitory was boisterous and lewd and there was a good deal of bullying which probably did little harm my principal recollection now is of the filthy mystery of foul talk that i neither cared for nor understood what i really needed like all the other boys was a little timely help over the sexual problems but this we none of us got and each had to work out his own principle of conduct for himself it was a long difficult and wasteful process and i cannot but believe that many of us failed in the endeavour we had come unprepared with any advice the principle upon which we were apparently trained was the repression of every instinct My mother was ignorant from innocence, my father from indifference, and so between them I was sent out helpless. A mother incurs great responsibility in sending her child away unprepared. A parent should not seek to shift his responsibility upon the schoolmaster. Love alone should be the fount from which revelations should flow. The master, from the very nature of his position, cannot reveal an eminent breakdown in health due it would now appear to quite obvious causes relieved me from the purgatory of the college dormitory and i was removed to one of the private houses these establishments were considered more select and less rough the social atmosphere was however perhaps more unwholesome because more effeminate and was full of noble young sucklings The nominal head of the house, under normal conditions, might have been a real leader. As it was, the real head of the house was a gilded young pariah, fairly low down in the school, and full of hypocrisy and unnatural lusts. The boy who occupied the cubicle next to mine was also a bad case of sexual misdirection, though he had not the social distinction to make him quite so refined a terror. I had every opportunity of watching him until, two years later, he was fortunately asked to leave. He talked bored from morning till night, got drunk on one or two occasions, masturbated constantly without concealment, had several of the younger boys into femora, though without evincing any care or affection for them, and gave one the impression of having been born for a brothel. His one redeeming quality was an element of good nature a characteristic one often finds among such as are selfish and irresponsible i have since been told that he has gone completely to the dogs whether this young cub's sexual instincts could have been turned or guided i do not know but in a rougher and simpler life than that of a public school in a more open and less hypocritical atmosphere he might perhaps have been licked into better shape the hypocrisy is a vice, however, that schoolboys themselves are fortunately free from. It comes later. The tone among the boys was frankly and violently unclean, though unclean not from instinct, but from want of direction and from repression. I have not a single happy recollection of this period of my school life, yet out of this morass of misbegotten virtues I plucked my first blossom of genuine affection i call it a blossom because it never ripened even to flower i had been given the extreme of filth to feed upon at the outset and now i found for myself the extreme of chastity it will be a matter of lifelong regret to me that the love which was the lodestar of my school-years was never fulfilled or set upon a sound basis of comradeship when i was about sixteen and a half years old there came into the house a boy about two years younger than myself and who became the absorbing thought of my school days i do not remember a moment from the time i first saw him to the time i left school that i was not in love with him and the affection was reciprocated if somewhat reservedly he was always a little ahead of me in books and scholarship but as our affection ripened we spent most of our spare time together and he received my advances much as a girl who is being wooed a little mockingly perhaps but with real pleasure he allowed me to fondle and caress him but our intimacy never went further than a kiss and about that even was the slur of shame there was always a barrier between us and we never so much as whispered to one another concerning those things of which all the school obscenely talked any connection between our own emotions and the sexual morals of the school never occurred to us in fact we lived in a dream-life of chastity that could not relate itself to any human conditions this was suddenly broken in upon my friend was very beautiful and an object of attraction to others that some of the elder boys had made offers of sexual intercourse to him i knew but to him as to me that was unspeakable wickedness one day i heard that four or five of these suitors of his had mishandled him they had i believe taken off his trousers and attempted to masturbate him the offence was probably horse-play of an animal nature to me it seemed an unpardonable offence The matter had been reported to the master by a servant, but confirmatory evidence was needed before punishment could follow. I was torn asunder by passions I could not then analyse, and in the end committed the greatest of schoolboy crimes. I sneaked. The action under the circumstances was courageous, but I was indifferent so long as the boy I loved judged me rightly. The result was that, at the close of the term, four or five of the senior boys were asked to leave the remaining brief period of my school life which had previously been a living hell became really happy that this should have been brought about to the harm of four or five boys whose sin after all was but a misdirected impulse for which the system was responsible seems to me now all very wrong of the boys sent away however certainly three have made honourable careers For my friend and I, we became more afraid of each other than before, as our affections increased, so our fear of them increased also. The friendship was too ethereal to live, but even yet we still have a deep respect for one another. When at the age of nineteen I left school, I was allowed to knock about for a year before entering college. During this time I picked up a sexual experience that may or may not have been a valuable one. I certainly look back upon it now with regret, if not with horror my father had discovered some months before this day that i was in the habit of masturbating and he gave me what he conceived to be the right counsel under the circumstances if you do this he said you will never be able to use your penis with a woman therefore your best plan will be to go with a prostitute should you do this however you will probably pick up a beastly disease therefore the safest way would be to do it abroad if you get the chance for there the houses are licensed having delivered himself of this advice he troubled himself no further in the matter but left me to work out my own destiny the great physician to whom i was taken about this time also gave me his advice on this point masturbation he said is death a number of young men come to me with the same story i tell them they are killing themselves and you will kill yourself too the doctor's hope was apparently to frighten his young patients into what he conceived to be natural conditions of life and one went away from him with the impression that every sexual manifestation in one's self was a physical infirmity due to one's own moral weakness it took me some time before i could make up my mind to follow my father's advice but after a period of real moral agony i deliberately and entirely in cold blood acted upon it I sought out a scarlet woman in the streets of—and went home with her. From something she said to me, I know that I gave her pleasure, and she asked me to come to her again. This I did twice, but without any real pleasure. The whole thing was too sordid and soulless, and the man who decides to take an evil medicine regularly has first to make up his mind that he really needs it at about the same time i chanced to be for a few months in a german university town and i determined as i had the opportunity to carry the parental advice to the logical conclusion i tried a licensed house the place was clean and decent and the conditions i take it such as one would normally find in any properly regulated continental city but to me the whole thing appeared unspeakably horrible It was a purely commercial transaction, and it had not even the redeeming element of risk to oneself or of offence against a social or disciplinary code. I came away feeling that I had touched bottom in my sexual experiences, and I understood what it was that Faust saw when the red mouse sprang from the mouth of the witch in the Walpurgis dance. These were the only occasions upon which I have had sexual intercourse with women looking back to them now they appear to me to have been almost inevitable but if i had my life over again i would shun them as i would a lethal draught i believe i came out of the fire unscathed probably indeed it did me good in the sense that it made it possible for me to look deeper into life though to what extent seeing the torments of the damned makes us do this perhaps only a dante could tell to gain knowledge of the expense of the shame and misery of others i hold to be fundamentally wrong and immoral what is to me however the chief and bitterest thought is that i flung away the first spring of manhood where i got no love in return his virginity is or should be as glorious and sacred a position to a youth as to a maiden to be guarded jealously to be given only at the call of love to one who loves him be it comrade mistress or wife and whom he can love in return the full university life into which i now entered at the age of twenty brought with it a flood of new ideas feelings and sensations the friendships i made there will always remain the central ones in my life up to my last term at college at the age of twenty-four i still wore my chainmail of artificial chastity but then a change gradually set in and i began to understand the relationship of the physical phenomenon of sex to its intellectual and imaginative manifestations i was not destined to fully realize this for some years and to then exclusively through and out of my own personal experience it was the study of walt whitman's Leaves of grass that first brought me light upon this question hitherto i had kept the two things locked up as it were in two separate air-tight compartments my friendships in one my sex instincts in another to be kept under and repressed by the public-school code as i conceived it it is needless to say that i was continually troubled by the customary sex phenomena erotic dreams loss of semen troublesome erections at night etc these i repressed as best i could by habitual masturbation and by the regular diet and exercise which academic life made possible At one time, for the period of a year, I should say, I tried to overcome the desire for masturbation by gradual stages on the principle of the drunkard's cure, by which he took every day less tipple by the insertion of one pebble more in his bottle. I marked on my calendar the erotic dreams and the nights on which I masturbated, and sought gradually to extend the intervening periods. Six weeks, however, was the longest time for which I was able to abstain a few years later the writer of this communication formed an intimate relationship in which he did not make the first advances with a youth some years younger than himself and of lower social class whose development he was able to assist but for my part he remarks i him as much as i gave him for his love lighted up the gold of affection that was in me and consumed the dross it was from him that i first learned that there was no such thing as a hard and fast line between the physical and the spiritual in friendship this relationship lasted for some years when the young man married its effects are described as very beneficial to both parties all the sexual troubles vanished together with the desire to masturbate Everything in life began to sing with joy, and what little of real creative work I may have done I attribute largely to the power of work that was born in me during those years End of Part five of Chapter three Recording by John Fricker